Did you take note of the Ariette stone, the symbols on them? So there are exactly 16 symbols. How about that? 5 FF16, yeah. And though the creator did make the elements eight icons to serve the keepers of the one law. Eight holy eight icons. Dominance, eight uh, or eight icons. Eight yeah. icons. This is good because you mentioned there were 16. Yes. That could be that. Yes, that actually eight, could be it. There could because be two there's two dominants of each, of each element. element. Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. We're here to talk with you about Final Fantasy 16 again for the second time. Yep. Uh, yeah, so there's some things to go back over from last time, to recant, to correct ourselves on. Uh, this is the first time we've done a podcast series like this, no. where we hadn't, at least one of us hadn't played the game before, or I guess that's not true because Xeno um, Saga. But oh, we, right. But we that had one, yeah. a guest on who had played it. That's before. right. That helped us. So this is the first time we're both totally in the blind and nobody freaking knows what's happening. Right. And there are things we miss. And so there's a couple things I want to go over from last time. But we had left off right at the end of where essentially the demo had ended. Yeah. And so now we're going to be continuing on from the Nice at Defile. And we're going to go all the way through the second icon battle between Ifrit and Garuda. That's where yeah. we're going to leave off for today. That's our plan. First of all, uh, there's a lot of people commentating, hey, you're asking these questions. It answer, it, it, those in answers are in the ATL. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm guessing these people did not see our live stream yeah, where we not. talked about <laughs> how we don't like the ATL that much. Not, not now, as a resource. As a resource, it's great. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, I, I don't like interrupting a scene. Yeah. In the middle of a scene to go read a lord yes. like log of stuff. Um, I was waiting because I had been told there's a character you meet, which we'll talk about a little bit today, who sort of is like a, a record keeper guy who yeah. talks about all the ancient history yeah. and the thousand tomes. Yeah, the thousand tomes. Yeah, that's what it's so called. cool. Yeah. So I decided to wait until that point before I'd go into reading all the lore stuff and kind of knock that all out. Yeah. Like when I'm back at the hideaway. You know, kind of look through those and stuff. So that was why, because I don't want to keep pausing the game and like reading lore. I want to see the the flow of the scene. Yeah. I want to, and you know, it, it just for me it bothered me to sort of interrupt the game like that. Because so, you lose access to it after a certain point of time. Yes, and then you you can't see it again. If you didn't do it right, then you you kind of miss it until right. until you get to that guy. Until right? you get to that guy. Uh, that was the first part. The second one was, um, and. I had actually noticed this before the episode came out as well because we did the live stream. So we recorded the first episode like Saturday or Friday before oh, yeah. the game came out. Or was mm -hmm. it Thursday? I can't remember. I can't remember. The week before the game came out. Yeah. Then we did a live stream on Tuesday, two days before the game came out, where we played the demo and I went, uh, that's not what I thought it was. Hmm. Which is... The dog, seeing through the dog's eyes and the colors are different. Oh, yeah. That's kind of just how all of the POVs look from any icon at all. So, okay. like, even Joshua, when he's the phoenix, he has the same sort of, like, tinted color for his vision in first right. person. I believe they also do it in a, a POV for Garuda at some point. And so that's just what it looks like when you are an icon now and you're just seeing first person yes but when it's third person what did that mean um well that's that's the thing he that that's the part that is still a mystery is and why does he say how the did, name? how was he looking at 
um, Ifrit. Yeah. Beating up and killing Phoenix from a distance when the, he was, because yeah. we, as we found out in this episode, he he truly was Ifrit, which is he what, was we, which is you know we we all expected that going in. That's what the marketing sort of yeah alluded to very strongly. <laughs> that that was clearly the answer. I mean, like all the images, even like key art that they show is like Clive with like Ifrit behind him. It's he's the yeah. he's the dominant of Ifrit. That was like clearly known before going into it. What threw me for a loop was. He seemed to be, like we said, warging into Torgal or something like that. Yeah. And I still think something like that happened. That he didn't, this is a guess, this is speculation. He didn't yeah. kill Joshua. But that's kind of where, where we left off today, you know, kind of where it's going next is, a, okay, this dominant's still out there. Let's go find out what happened because he was there on that day. Yeah. And I lost control and, you know, like he had something to do with it. This it, this hooded figure. Right. So like that's kind of the new mystery that Clive yeah. is chasing. Rather than revenge on the guy, he's just wanting to find out, okay, what role did you play? Because you were there. So like something happened. Uh, hmm. So anyway, that was the other thing I wanted to correct. And then, Yeah. I think that was it. Okay, cool. But, okay, so we jump back 13, 13 years, years later, later, back to right the battle. Then, right? Yeah. Like well, right, right after, after he had got, passed out? Yeah. Because you look out. and you still see the blood underneath the rock? Yep. Of like BS the previous guy. Yeah. Smashed. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, Year of the Realm 875, back on the Nice of Defile. So we're now after the battle between Titan and Shiva. The, the, dom- the, the icons are gone. They've gone back to their regular human forms Yeah, they've now. kind of disappeared, yeah. Um, and so despite all that's happened, despite all of that and Bias getting killed and wrenches getting thrown into their assassination plan, the sergeant is still determined to kill Shiva's dominant. He's like, he basically said, yeah. uh, I think Clive says, we're down a man, sergeant, as if yep. like, you know, slow down for the a second. Operation, like, yeah. we, we need to rethink this. So he says, if we return without Shiva's head, our fate will be no different from Biest's. I'll take my right. chances with the iron blood. At least then I might die fighting. After you do, that is. <laughs> he <laughs> says to Clive. And Clive says, I won't be dying, not today. And I, I kind of liked uh, the other guy. I think his name that was a- really Avis. Funny. Avis was his yeah. name. Kind of had a funny line there. Like, okay, so we all agree. Like, yeah. no dying. <laughs> then it's settled. No dying. <laughs> Like, okay, he's like, come on, guys, can we yeah. can we keep moving? Just stop arguing about dumb stuff. So they keep moving, and they find sort of a group of Iron Blood soldiers marching. By the way, I, I believe that these are the Crusaders they've been talking about. They're oh, Iron okay. Blood Iron cru- Blood Crusaders. Hmm. Um, they seem to have Shiva's dominant, who is Jill, as a hostage. I was confused as to why it took quite so long for Clive to recognize her. I guess I know because I kind of recognized her pretty. Right but I, mean, I, I guess you could explain that as it's been thirteen years. You haven't seen somebody in thirteen years. You probably assumed it, they were dead. You're right. Although the we, way the, we, the, as the player, saw her like yeah ten seconds ago, he gets he gets in close. I mean, you fight Jill yep. here, and he he doesn't recognize her until nope. kind of the last second. But so essentially, here um, we got. They're they're trying to get Jill to prime again. So priming is where uh, they essentially transform into the icon. Right, and but they threaten. have to draw like an F ton of ether to do this. 
and she's already done it, and so she's weak. So right. she can't prime right now. So they're trying to threaten this little girl who's also a prisoner. Yes. And by, I'll kill her if you don't prime, but she's incapable of priming. Now, I understand the idea of when you capture an enemy, you want them to fight for you. You have to threaten them to do it, and yes. they are essentially a slave. And if you let them free, they'll use their power to kill you. Yes. Now, first off, I don't know why Shiva doesn't just kill them anyways. Like, they're threatening the kids. When she becomes Shiva, she, like, can do all sorts of things. Yeah. But she doesn't. She does what they tell her to do, and she fights for them, but she's a slave. I get that. But she's a high, high, high-value asset that you would do anything you could to protect. I yeah. think. I could. So, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit, like, scatterbrained here. I think the intention of the scene is that they want her to fight against the assassin guys coming in here yeah. because they assume that a dominant like her would be able to easily kill Defeat some them. branded soldiers. She's she's the best uh, option here to kill these guys and allow us to get our priests out of here, for instance, because they're traveling with like their priest guys yeah, they're, yeah. They're of their um, orthodox faith that mm -hmm. they talk about a little bit. I took some dialogue for that. Yeah. So I think it's more like get the priests to safety and the other slaves and kill those guys, and uh, these soldiers, herself. and also you who is stronger than all of us. I believe that's the intention there. Even though you can't prime, you're still, you can still use oh. ice magic and you're powerful and you can kill them. And if you don't, right. then I'll kill this little girl that you don't want me to kill. Like, uh, threatening her so that she'll actually... I think that's the intention. I guess in the other territories, though, like, say, uh, Hugo Kupka, or whatever his name is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, without He's, Shiva, Titan can just run roughshod. He can destroy their entire army. Well, like, just in the without politics Shiva. in the politics of the world, he basically runs the show in the Republic. Right. So that's what, that's what I would assume most dominants would do. Right. Right? It's just she's been it's just enslaved from a for, previous kingdom. So she got captured when um, when the Iron Blood overran Rosaria. Right. So after the Phoenix Gate scene mm. and uh, the Duke is dead and Joshua is dead and Clive is taken as, as a slave and the Duchess goes to the Empire, mm -hmm. there's no leaders left. Many of the, you know, the army had gone or whatever. The Iron Blood pounce on that opportunity. They right. come and they take her with them. Yeah. So I'm guessing since the time she was a little girl, they sort of use these kinds of threats of like, we'll hurt this person if you don't do what we say. And so she's I been sort of that. like, yeah. she's oh. been sort of uh, uh, manipulated that way. You know, here's here's where I'm coming from. I really liked it. I really liked the display of when the dominants first show up and you've got Titan and Shiva and it's like, ooh, who's going to use the dominant and when and where? There was a ton of strategy to it. And um, if they don't use it, then that's fine because we won't use ours and then we can just fight the war normally. And then you, it, it, it shows an act of desperation when you bring out your dominant because if they're dead, your empire's done for, right? Yeah. Um, and I loved that strategy there. Like there was a lot of interesting... Um, you know, interesting, like, I don't know, battlefield mechanics going on there of who, like you think of the game Stratego, right? Yeah. You don't put your spy up like in the front lines, <laughs> you know, you like you, you organize everything in a proper way and in a deceptive way. And then you yeah. try to lure people in one way uh, for them to be so careless with Jill um, is, it shocks me given that I was so 
appreciative of the battlefield tactics before this concerning the titans because they are number one most important right that's your yeah. nuclear arsenal yes. and you're just like letting other people have it anyways i'm not um no i i, I the, the re it, there's a bit of contrast here it seems a little too easy for us to get jill compared with how strategic they were beforehand yes that's the part that i agree with i think the yeah. intention here was that oh she's strong and we need to get our priests out, but I think you're right in that let the priests die <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. you, we need you to be Shiva again in our next battle. Without your Titan, should or would generally be way more of an urgent sort of like uh, uh, priority here. Right. Get Jill out. Don't let them take her because that's mm -hmm. what they're there for anyway. They're there to kill right. her. That, yeah, yeah. And that's taking away. And it seems their like they most knew it. powerful weapon. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I agree that there's something a little bit off about this particular scene, and that's one thing is is Jill. There's there's this thing about the orthodoxy I want to talk about here. Okay. So, you know, they're talking about how our fortunes have turned, Sergeant, it's her, they see her down there, the dominant, you know, that's who they're after. Um the crystalline orthodox, so this is the religion of the ironborn or iron blood. And it's not necessarily, ha it doesn't necessarily have its origins in their kingdom. It, it talks about in the in the Act of Time lore how um, this was practiced or is practiced in other places in the continents. But this is like the dominant religion uh, of the Iron Kingdom right now. So the Crystalline Orthodox is a backwards faith for a backwards people. In the Iron Kingdom, they teach the dominants are unclean aberrations born of blackest sin. Only their priests mm. are allowed to perform the rites of priming, and I see many. So there's a bunch of priests down there walking in the company. Uh, so you go into it and read a little bit more, and it talks about how they worship the mother crystals as like literal gods. And that the use, or in particular, the, the, the wasteful use of magic and of ether, which is provided to the world, gives the world its sort of life force, I guess. It comes from the crystals. So to, to use that uh, power, that ether, that mm -hmm. life force in a way that is wasteful, um, according to their doctrine, is seen as a sin, right? Hmm. So yeah. they, they, they hate the way that people in sort of the main kingdoms here, right, the different places in the continents, the twins is what they call them. There's two continents, Storm and Ash. Yeah. yeah. Um, how they just sort of keep these people who can use magic and how they use the crystals for, you know, trivial things, right? Um, so that's kind of their uh, beef, I guess, with the, the people of the mainland. Now, I took note of what Jill says here before the battle starts. She says, let this be the end before she attacks you. And then once you've hmm. defeated her in the fight, she says, at last. So it's almost like I hope you she kill me. Wants to die. Yeah. I hope you kill me, and that this can be over. I'm, hmm. I'm, I'm tired of this because yeah. it's been 13 years, I guess, that she's been forced to fight for these Iron Blood, right? Right. Yeah. So she wanted to die in this fight, but she also wanted to make it at least appear that she was trying to fight so that they wouldn't kill any of the other, the other slaves that yeah. they were. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So this is where Clive realizes Jill. He's kind of standing above her, 
he's got his sword to her neck or whatever yeah. they're like come on like what are you doing hurry up and he's like oh my gosh this can't be like no it can't be you here like what he recognizes her more iron blood show up more reinforcements um so he kind of takes her away from the fighting because avis gets like hit by an axe Oh, like, yeah, that's just right. just thrown and he goes down, so it's just Tiamat and Clive left. Yeah. Um, and Tiamat is like, one because as soon as Clive picks up Jill and starts walking away, yeah. uh, Tiamat's like, what are you doing? Um, and Clive has this really good line. He says, my service was bought with this brand, but not my loyalty. Yep. Um, because the guy's saying, hey, are you going to really dishonor the Empire? And he's like, I'm not loyal to the Empire. Yep. You just paid for my services. You didn't, you didn't yeah. buy my loyalty. You can't do that. Yeah. And so... Um, Tiamat's upset because Tiamat's going to die if he comes back empty-handed, yeah. right? And so he's like, we have to do this properly. And mm -hmm. Clive is basically signing Tiamat's death by saving Jill. Yep. Um, and so either way, Tiamat's like, well, I'm going to die either way. I'm at least going to try to complete the mission. Yeah. Yeah, I think he says something like, um, I only fight for survival or something like that. Yeah, Tiamat, yes, yes, Tiamat yes. says... Uh, uh, you don't think I do as well? Like, yes, yeah. But then he, then he goes into this whole thing about how I rescued you from the front lines. I picked you out and made you part of this yes. group of assassins and, like, you know, trained you and gave you a name, gave you the name Wyvern. Right. And I loved Clive's response to that, which is, I've always had a name and I've See, never forgotten it. <laughs> Tiamat doesn't know who Clive is and that's, yeah. you know, uh, it's unfortunate for him. Yes, right. <laughs> doesn't realize. <laughs> but it's not like Clive could be so forthcoming about his past. He kind of had to keep it hidden. Here was another question I had, sort of just like asking questions that mm. I, I, I'm not sure that were well answered in the scene. Uh, several times through the earlier part of this scene in the Nice of Defile, Tiamat brings up, you are key to this mission's success. You are not allowed to die. Hmm. So, so do are, they are, know about him then? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know why he said that. Because now he's willing to kill Clive. So he can die. <laughs> and he's not key to the mission's success if Tiamat can carry it out. So, I mean, their job was just hmm. to kill Shiva. And I'm assuming, I guess, that he thought... In order for you to fight the dominant of Shiva, we need someone with the blessing of the Phoenix or something like that, with that kind of power. Maybe since they've already incapacitated her, the, 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 him being the key to the mission success, his, he's carried that part out already. Maybe now it's just, oh, we just got to cut her head off and leave. And so he's fulfilled that. But I just was like, wait a minute, like you're willing to kill him whereas before you were like no you're desperate like you cannot die not yeah. at all like no way you have to stay alive and you're super key to this anyway it's probably that hmm. it's probably that he felt they could not have taken Jill out without Clive and maybe yeah. and maybe the fact that Clive fought her and she's knocked out that was what he meant but sure I mean um, more or less that is what happened but right so now he's ready to kill him and defectors, like deserters, they just are usually quickly found out yes. by the Empire. So He ends up killing Tiamat, and then he, then a bunch of Ironblood uh, yep. show up. He, he's basically holding her ready for the killing blow, yeah. and then uh, Sid shows up, who is the dominant of Rama. Yeah. And these were some really cool shots, actually. Very like the, cool. The slow motion shots of all those, like, that lightning. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, jacking everybody. <laughs> it was, um, 
Yeah, three dominants all together. Very, very lucky. Um, if, well, that's what I. That's the first thought I had too. Yeah, that's yeah. Just, This seems like a convenient rescue. It's like wow. And little then Deus Ex Machina. I, I thought about it more, and it's like this is what Sid is doing. He goes to places where branded and dominance are. Oh yeah. And tries to like bring them. them to where they can be freed now. And yeah. Jill, in particular, I'm assuming his scouts and his, uh, you know, intelligence guys would have known she's fighting against her will for the Iron Blood. She's a prime candidate. You're right, he probably would have known. Yeah, a prime yeah. candidate to try to go get out of that situation, rescue and bring to our place. Well, that's a good point. I like it, yeah. but that perspective helps me a lot. So, that's good. So he he was there to get her from, because I think that's what he says yeah. to Clive. Like, I didn't come here for you. He, he recognizes him because he sees the the Phoenix powers, and he's like, yeah. oh, that's Clive Rossfield. I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. you were still alive. That's crazy. Yeah, but I don't yeah. really care. I didn't come here for you. I came for her. So I'm, that's my assumption is that uh, he's, the, he's building his little... So they were two people independently who kind of like converged at this point. Yes. Uh, it just, and, But it makes sense, though, because at this battle, both the Empire knew. They were like, hey, Shiva's going to show up in this battle. Yeah. If the Empire knew that, it's likely other people knew it, too. Yes. Where it's like, hey, if this battle happens and if Titan shows up, Shiva's going to show up. Yeah. So if uh, if Sid wants Shiva, he would also do yes. the same thing that the Empire did. Right. I like that. I think that's yeah. good. That makes I, I'm more pr- sense. I, and he's probably sent out, you know, Gav or his, like, intelligence yeah. dude <laughs> Gav, to go, like, find Gav, out. Gav's a beast. Yeah, go find out where they're going to be, collect his intelligence. And so that's, that's yeah. why he would have been at that battle. Um, so that made sense to me when I thought about it a little more. But it did feel a little, like you're saying, a little convenient it did. At, at the start. It did, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it does make sense, though. So, oh, but what's convenient? The convenient part is Torgal. He just happens to have Torgal. <laughs> Torgal shows up. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I, I, I got your dog. <laughs> 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 I, I would have liked which, maybe which a great. little bit of a, a better sort of reunion between the maybe the dog was out like wild with the wolves and sure. you get attacked by wolves at one point and Torgal's there. And Just wait for another like few that. like scenes <laughs> later and that's where Torgal yeah. shows up. Yeah. Instead of like right there. That, that was another thing I think that lent itself to making this scene feel very yeah. like a lot of very convenient things are happening. Mm-hmm. Things are falling into a place in a way that doesn't necessarily feel super convincing. Yeah, but and part of that, the enemy strategy. I'm just not a fan of the enemy strategy. Yeah, but I, hey, I think some I sometimes think people sense. have bad strategies and make uh, poor wartime decisions. That is a that, thing that, that does happen. It does happen <laughs> often. <laughs> okay, so uh, we also get a scene here where Benedicta is sort of looking out over. Um, she sees like some of the lightning. Like, kind of, oh, like, that's the right. Yeah, so she, she knows what that is. Yeah, she has a history with Sid, right? Yeah, and so uh, she's talking badly about Hugo, who before she had been sort of pretending to be in love with, right? So she's definitely like she's sleeping with a lot of different people here. Yes, she and is. Kind of like <laughs> navigating the politics of it all yeah. and manipulating people, and uh, but she seems to have had a real connection, a real romance yes. with Sid in but the past. Previously, yeah, yeah, and she's um. playing with Hugo and playing with the King of Waled. I mean, I assume that's the case. I mean, maybe, I mean, she seems to at least have some true loyalty to the King of Waled, but she's not in love with him like she was with Sid. I think she's playing that relationship to her advantage. Well, and one of the things she says here, uh, as far as uh, Titan goes, uh, Kupka. Hugo Kupka. Yes, who she was, you know, being very intimate with uh she basically said at, at the end of the battle she was like wow it looks like the lion should have taken a little more hair 
or a little more care when chasing yeah, chasing the hair. The hair yeah. um, or, or you know, were you the hair or the lion? She's basically just questioning his uh, masculinity at that point. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like she mm, expected you more as good, from as the mighty you. Titan. Yep. You get that line, you were always an effing snake, Sid. So mm-hmm. she's she's bitter about something there. Um, uh, and then also, I guess, just to kind of wrap up this scene, we have Clive agreeing to go with Sid back to his, like, hideaway or yeah. whatever. They've got warm beds. They can... Because where would he have gone with Jill? Clive, right? Like, where, yeah. would he, where would he go? As a branded, anywhere else in this world. Yeah, they would you make got that far. You got that tattoo on your face, like... You're, you're looked at as subhuman. It's like, wait a minute, where's mm-hmm. your slave master at? Like, you're not supposed, you know. So yep. he couldn't have gotten far by himself. So Sid showing up and offering for them to come with him, it's obviously the best, like, option they've got. Yeah. So he, you know, decides to trust him and go back to his hideaway, which is in the middle of the Deadlands. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, this is an area of the world where... Most of the ether has sort of been dried up from the land. Yeah. So uh, Sid says the blight has sucked this place dry. Yep. So it makes it seem as though the blight affects more than just people. It is a sickness of the land yes. as well. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a sickness of everything. Yep. So there are no trees, no birds, no magic. But it also yep. means no neighbors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, which is a good place for hideaway. So, you know, the last place they would think to look, right? Yeah. Uh, they also bring up here for the first time this um, these fallen ruins, ruins from an ancient civilization they call yeah. the Fallen, right? Yeah. The, the, these ruins are kind of scattered all throughout the world, and people have sort of just built around them. Yeah. So they're just these, these fallen airships and these uh, yeah, that's right. structures made out of a material that's stronger than any material the current people have. Right. And so... They can't really use them or mine them or repurpose them. They don't have the skill to do that, but uh, they just kind of build around the structures because they're very sound structures. It's yeah. just they don't really understand the civilization that put them there or why or how and they, they went away. they look really, really cool. Um, yeah. The hideaway looks sweet. I like the hideaway. It looks awesome. Yeah. So he says, this place, there are fallen ruins. Says Clive. And then uh, Sid says, well, we didn't think they'd mind. <laughs> and it keeps the black from our lungs. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing there must be some yeah. sort of the blight, the disease. Well, right. When they're inside the hideaway, it sort of protects them from whatever hmm. illness, the, I these guess. These ancient structures kind yeah. of have a, a magic barrier about them or something? Or something of that nature, yeah. Huh, so yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, they're living somewhere where the blight has totally taken it over. Yeah. So why aren't they getting sick? Well, it's right. because they're hiding inside of these hmm. fallen ancient ruins or whatever, which sort of protects them from whatever that illness is that the blight would give them. And they have a really good doctor. They do. They have a botanist as well and a bunch of other people. Um, uh, I loved this question from Clive. How do you survive without magic? And, he, and the response, how does anyone with a lot of hard work and a bit of noose? So that word. Noose. Yeah, did you? Yeah, I looked it up. It means uh, like reason or logic as opposed to yeah. a sense perception, you know, the, the rational part of the yeah, human yeah. soul. Uh, and noose is more like, yeah, uh, intellect or attention or something. Yeah. Uh, another definition, oh. the principle of the cosmic mind or soul responsible yes. for the rational order of the cosmos. Um, so... Yeah, I guess in this world, the, the thought is inconceivable 
to be able to survive at all without, without magic. magic. That's why yeah, they're all yeah. fighting over these mother crystals. They're warring over being able to control the territory in which those crystals fall because they rely on the magic from those mother crystals, from the ether that comes from right. them, and from the crystals they physically mine from them. And um, people can't see any other way of living, of living outside of that. And that's, that's, that's very human. Yeah. I like that. And that also goes back to basically the opening monologue of the game, right? The, the whole thing that's it. What did he say? Let me pull that up again. That uh, it was narrated by Clive, right? It was Moss, the chronicler, who said that the land of Valisthea is blessed by the light of the crystals. And that it was this light that led our forebears out of the darkness. Yet what they saw in the light gave rise to temptation. Temptation that ever lures us back into the crystal shadow. And so we talked about how right now they're in the shadow of the crystals in the sense that they feel like they cannot survive without the crystals blessing. Right. So I feel like that's where this story is going, right? Um, it's, it's going into a place where they're going to have to, they're going to learn somehow that, the, that this blessing of the crystals and, and these people who worship the crystals as if they're, uh, you know, literal gods, the mothers of this world, we're going to find out that that's not really the case. They really have gone yeah. back into the darkness again, right. into the shadow of the crystals. Now they're going to have to escape that. Um, and so, you know, learning that it's possible to live in a part of the world where the blight has taken over and there's no mother crystals and there's no yeah, ether and no there's magic. no magic and they're doing just fine, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, is a pretty big shock to Clive. Um, so Sid then offers him an apple, which he refuses. And he says they grow them here, which is again, like what, how can you grow That's right, an yeah. apple tree in, in a place infested by the blight. There's like this inventor guy who's like constantly trying, yeah, yeah, always trying to get uh, get good fruit from the ground. Yeah, he says, Sid once told me the blight doesn't kill the land. It only makes her forget who she once was. She'll eventually remember her purpose. All she needs is a little reminding. So they're able to grow some food. They're able to support kind of a small community of people here um, and make it even though they're, you know, in the middle of a, a blight infested land. Um, so you're allowed to kind of explore this yeah. hideaway a little bit at this point. You go talk to, you know, the different, uh, what's her name? Karen, I think she's like the, the oh, person who Karen, sells the, yeah. like the item shop lady, yep. uh, the blacksmith guy, the guy who keeps the thousand homes, the thousand homes. He's at the restaurant, I think. Yeah. Um, or the, near the it. fat chocobo. Yeah. The fat chocobo. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, so you can do some side quests here for some people. Um, it kind of introduces you to just this whole place as sort of a like a refuge, a hub area where you'll be yeah. returning to between missions yep. and um, you know in, in doing some weapon crafting and other parts of the game like that. Um, so you kind of get tutorialized on all that. There's also that. Um, what do they call it? It's that stone where you can go and you can practice. Oh, yeah, it's across from the Karen. Arete, an Arete, or an Arete stone or something like that? A-R-E-T-E, Arete, stone of Arete. Arete in Greek means excellence. So it's a stone Mm. of you practice and uh, hone your craft. Yeah, and uh, so there was was an entry, like an ATL entry for this thing too. A mysterious ceramic tablet that stands in the hideaway of a similar construction to other relics of the Fallen, yet seemingly not a part of the airship proper, 
Its imposing appearance suggests some important function that has been lost to time. Whatever strange secrets lie within it, it seems to react to Clive's presence and urges him to unlock his hidden potential. So you can go there, you can practice the combat, which I yeah. really like, actually. Oh, me too. I loved it. I thought I, it was cool. Yeah, I, I think that this is a combat system that kind of requires a lot of practice to yeah. really get used to it and, and um, use it efficiently. Mm. Um, and, I mean, you can control all kinds of, uh, you know, sort of factors. You, you can, the enemies will not, by default, they won't uh, be aggressive. They won't attack you. So you can right. just practice your button combos without the, you know, fearing getting yeah. retaliated against or hit or whatever. And then once you're kind of comfortable with, okay, this combo does this, this does this. I really like that they did this. I, I feel like especially for a series like Final Fantasy, which has traditionally been, you know, a turn-based combat RPG type yeah. series, that a lot of fans, longtime fans of the series, maybe aren't so... Uh, familiar with like oh, this type of action game, right? Yeah. And so it gives them the opportunity to practice it mm. in a place where they feel, you know, more comfortable and you can spend as much time in there as you want, just like figuring out how to use your stuff. And then you go unlock new abilities when you fight the next icon or whatever. And you come back and you try them out and you unlock new stuff. And I, I also really like how when you spend like the experience to unlock new abilities, it's oh, not yeah. permanent. You can basically reset the whole thing and choose all different stuff. That's really and cool. it's it's there's no <laughs> penalty for doing so. Yeah. So it, it gives you complete freedom to basically figure out how you like to fight and what combos you like to do. Yeah. And then just play with that, figure that out, and at any time you can redo it. That's really cool. Yeah. That's very cool. I, I think it was really smart to do that, particularly for a series like Final Fantasy, which traditionally has not been this yeah. style of game. There's a lot of people who are playing this who have never played a Bayonetta or a Devil May Cry or something like that before, and they, they're not really yeah. so sure. They don't feel comfortable you know, with the combat. Um, if, you, if you try to just like mash the buttons, um, you can probably have some success, but it, you're certainly going to die a lot more <laughs> than you would if you were actually yeah. purposeful in what you're choosing to do and why. You know, then like Torgal gets introduced, which is a whole nother like level of I'm controlling this other guy with That's the cool. Yeah, yeah. And you tell Torgal what to do. But yeah. essentially it's like they have the move where he throws them up in the air. Torgal will grab the yeah. enemies and throw them up. Yeah, and you yeah. can go up and start doing your <coughs> juggling combos in the air or just the regular sick attack or he can do a little bit of healing. Um, but there's a lot. Was. There's a lot going on. Um, and, and, you know, I played Dragon's Dogma, which is not very similar to this combat-wise, yeah. but it's, it's, there's a lot of, like, holding R2 to give you, like, a different set of... Oh, right. Because like, like, you have... Hotkeys and stuff. Hotkeys that will... So your, your face buttons will switch if you're holding the, the yeah. R2 button down I what game I versus played not. that first, but that's a genius. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and, and they do the same thing with the D-pad. It's like you can use it for your healing and items, mm. but then you press left and you switch to Torgal, and now you're controlling Torgal with those same buttons. Yeah. So there's a lot of switching back and forth between, first of all, this the other set of abilities you have with this icon 
but then you can switch the icon with L2, yeah. and then you, you switch to R2 to get like the others, <laughs> and then you're switching Torgal back and forth and healing. It's a lot. It's it's yeah. a lot in real time to kind of <clears throat> if you're not used to this kind of game. It is, but I I appreciate it, um, yeah. especially for a Final Fantasy because well, this is something that I mean I don't want to rip on 15 too much. Sure. Um, but the complexity of the battle system in 15 wasn't quite not not close to this. Extent. Not not close. Not no. even close. And um. I, I, I was watching trailers for these new games that they announced, a new remake for uh, Star Ocean Second Story, right? Which yeah, looks right. really cool. Um, and one of the features in the in the trailer, which just irked me, I could not believe it. It said, you can execute all sorts of special combos with just one button. <laughs> and I was like, that's not a selling point. What are you doing? Battles take place in real time, and skills can be performed with a single button. You're making me real... Ah, anyways. <laughs> uh, the fact that a game that came out of this complex RPG turn-based strategy, you know, type of combat, yeah, right. the fact that it isn't just turning into, like, hold the button and yes. blo block attack, block attack, block attack, roll attack, roll attack, roll attack, um, and that it's turning into a complex action game, yes. that's fine. I, I yes. feel like that's a much better place for it to naturally go than, uh, I think, where the previous entry where was Where 15 was, it. yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly, um, this combat system... And I'm not like a big character action guy. It's not like my yeah. favorite style of game. So I'm not even that familiar with, or, or don't have that much <gasps> comfort sort of like playing games of this style. Yeah. I prefer, as far as action RPGs go, something more like Elden Ring or okay. Monster Hunter or Dragon's Dogma. But that being said, the fact that they give you this area to like sit there and practice yeah. stuff is really nice yeah. for people who aren't really used to playing games like this. Yeah. I feel like no matter your level in terms of comfortability playing this style of action game, you can get where you want to get if you just want to put a little bit of extra time into the practicing. And uh, there's no penalty for doing it. They really incentivize yeah, you awesome. to do it, actually. They let you totally rearrange your abilities anytime you want. Um, so they're really trying to incentivize players to practice, to get good at the game. Yeah. Uh, rather than just throwing you into really tough fights and letting you get stuck and feel like, oh, I can't win. Yep. You know, so I, I thought that that was a nice touch. I thought that that was a good decision. Um, and then, of course, they're working that whole mechanic into whatever the purpose of this ancient civilization is going yeah. to serve in the story. They're sort of yeah. um, foreshadowing that, you know, with a lot of this technology and stuff like that. So um, let's see. I think that's it. Ha, huh, this was another one. Sid offers Clive an apple, and yes. Clive doesn't take it. It reminds nope. me of when of the apple that the slave had dropped earlier. Oh, yeah. There's something about apples. apples. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But there's something interesting with the apples and with, with um, somebody handing an apple to Clive, but Clive refusing to eat it, right? Mm. And later on, Sid is going to offer him a drink, right, some wine. Yeah. And Sid, Clive is refusing at first, and finally, eventually, when he does drink the wine, he says, "This doesn't mean I agree with you." Yeah. But that, but that's what that's what um, that's what uh, uh, like eating with somebody, communing, yes, part, um, partaking of yes. a thing with another person is a sign of like that you're like good with mm. people, like <clears throat> like people invite. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> 
people invite their allies or you have a business meeting and there's always food served because yep. food binds people to it, each it, other. Yeah, that's exactly it. It really does. It's right? a bonding experience. It's a bonding experience. thing. And so the fact that he's refusing the food means he's refusing to share that bond. Yes. And eventually when he does, he has to then say out loud, by the way, even though I'm taking what you gave me, I'm not totally bonding with you. He has to like point it out yes. because otherwise you would take it as a, as an agreement. Yeah. Right. I, I really like that. Yeah. So that's when he goes up into Siv's, Sid's solar yep. right? his, his quarters. Right. So the, they're the talking headquarters of the returners hideout. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so Sid is basically working out, you know, what happened with Clive. Yeah. Uh, so to save your neck, you slit your, or to save her neck, sorry, to save Jill's neck. You slit your sergeants, then you set your sights on the hills, conveniently forgetting how the Empire deals with deserters. Right, and this is one of the things that's like, okay, deserting is not yeah. a good option no. for people. Yeah. Yeah. Because with that on your chop, the brand, Yep. my friend, we both know you won't be getting far. You've fallen a long way, uh, Lord Rossfield. And I think this is basically the only place... Clive could go because <laughs> yeah. literally any other settlement or any other place yeah. resembling civilization at all. Someone sees that on his face and it's like, what are you doing? You escaped. I yep. got to go tell the authorities. We got to like get you back. <laughs> they're not going to give you their food. They're not going to let you sleep in their no. uh, hotels or their rooms. They're not going to give you anything. They're just going to tell you to leave. He'd have to live out in the forest until somebody found him and killed him. Yeah. So there was an NPC here who says that if we talk to forget her name, the, the healer lady. Oh, um, Talia. 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 And yeah. the reason I remember that name is because oh. Talia is the name of the... What isn't it? Lead Talia? T-A-R-J-A? I thought that they thought pronounced that yeah. Talia. Talia, but the way that it's Finnish. So the name is Finnish. Oh, okay. And the way that they enunciate the R's, it actually sounds a little bit more like, like ta an L. Talia. Talia. Oh, if I you see. roll the R and then it's a Y and then Talia. Anyways, it's ta I would say Talia, but that's the, the lead singer of Nightwish. Oh yeah, from like twenty years ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> her name was Talia, and she is same spelling. A beast. Yeah, I think the same. I oh, think okay. the same. Uh, T a r j y spelling. Yeah, yeah. No j i j a <laughs> t a r j a. I know a spell. Talia. Um, yeah. Uh, he the NPC suggests that you can get your brand removed by her. That's right. Uh, yeah, we haven't really right. had a chance to talk about that yet with her because she's been helping Jill and she some has. other people that came in injured, and she's got a lot of work on her hands at the moment. But uh, at some point, Clive should be able to talk to her about getting that brand He should, removed. but it's interesting that no one else here, if Talia has the ability to do that, but no one else here, everyone else still has their marks. A lot of people it still have It makes me them. think yeah. that maybe it's not an easy thing to do yeah. or... I don't know. There, there's, there's something some, else to it. Could be some consequences, Maybe. some risk involved, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I think you're right about that because there does seem to be a lot of people who just aren't getting them removed. They're just living here and keeping them. So, or maybe they're, yeah. I don't know, maybe it takes a lot of <laughs> effort and they're all in a long queue waiting for their turn or something. <laughs> That's know. true. Maybe, maybe. Um, so Clive asks Sid what he, what he means to do with Jill. And he says, nothing. You know, she's free now, basically. If I wanted to use her, do you think I'd be talking to you? All I want to do is help. Dominance like her and branded like you. Of course, the realm doesn't approve, which is why we live in a cave. I feel like um, Sid and a lot of these these characters like Gav and stuff like that, mm. um, they're, they're serving a really good purpose in this very sort of serious and heavy sort of tone of the story. 
Uh, Sid's a really great character to bring some some funny lines. And I some like him. Levity. I and think he's great. His yeah. character's great, and his uh, the voice actor is just extremely he's good. He's really good. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's wonderful. really, really good. Um, all of the banter between Clive and, and Sid as they're going about you know doing their missions and whatnot is all really good. The performances are great. Yeah. The chemistry is good. Like yeah, we good. mentioned this last time, but the voice acting is really, really stellar in this yeah. game. It's phenomenal. Love it. Um, which is a really, really nice thing to see <laughs> in this series, which has had questionable sort of voice acting from time to time. Not voice acting mm. talent, just voice direction and things. Yeah, it's all of it. Yeah. So uh, it's it's really nice to see uh, it be so stellar in this game. Um. Oh, and that guy too, the the restaurant server. He says, "Hey, if you go around and uh, deliver the food, you know, if you be a waiter for a few minutes, you can have what's in my." He calls it a strong box. Oh, yep, strong box. You can you can you can take a look at my strong box. Take whatever you need. And it's so funny because the word for a safe in Spanish is caja fuerte. Oh yeah, which means strong box. Strong box. box yeah. So I hear that and I'm just like, oh, it actually does make sense. It's funny <laughs> that they would uh, use a, a word like that. Yeah, that's uh, really interesting. To talk about it, though, in, it's funny. In Portuguese, caixa for, forci. Oh, so, yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah same thing. Same, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's how you would say, like, a safe, you know? That's funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of my scouts sent word. There's a group of branded fugitives north of here in the Imperial Village of Lost Wing. Among them is one he believes to be a dominant of fire. So he's giving him, he's extending him yeah. an olive branch here. Like, I'll help you. Like with this revenge that you're so keen on. Although he continues to try to talk him out of it throughout sort of these missions yeah. that go on. But he's like, you know, we, we need people like you mm -hmm. here who actually know how to fight. Uh, so why not join us? Where else can you go? He's like, well, I don't really care what happens to me. I just want to take revenge on this guy. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, Sid's All playing right. the long game a little bit here. Like he'll come around, right? <laughs> yeah, I, like I'll, I'll convince him. Along yeah. the way that, like, there's more to live for than revenge, and it would be a waste of time for you to just, like, you know, <laughs> allow fate to happen uh, after accomplishing this ridiculous goal you have of revenge. Yeah. But I'll be with him. I'll mentor him the whole time. I'll kind of show him the ropes, show him what's really going on behind the scenes, and maybe we can light a spark in him to, you know, give him some motivation other than revenge. Yeah. But but that's that's the first step is, okay, well, we, I have actually heard of possibly someone that could be the guy you're looking for. Right. He's in this village. You know, why don't we go there and check it out? And that's when Clive says, well, this doesn't mean I'm joining. Yeah, you, that's right? when he <laughs> drinks the wine and like, it's temporary. <laughs> Just yeah. for now, okay? Yeah, but, but Sid, yeah, like I said, he's playing the long game at this point. <laughs> that's um, why everyone needs to know if you break bread with somebody... That's you better make clear that this is only temporary, <laughs> otherwise they'll assume that... I'm not your ally, we're just eating. <laughs> um, did you take note of the Ariette stone, the symbols oh. on them? I was curious if you did, because you're usually I real into this, the I symbolism should've. and stuff. So um, I should come... I'll have to look at that next week. I, I didn't. So there are exactly 16 symbols. How about that? Final FF16, yeah. Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. That's, that's really the only connection I thought of. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, like, it's like these little... It's like little circles with kind of tails on them, all kind of pointing upwards, and they're arranged sort of around. Oh, I did notice that, yes. Uh, and uh, But yeah, I think the, well, the, what I really took from that was 16. It's because it's Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> That's the yes. best I could come well, up with. No, the, the 16 is very common in num numerology. Oh, please give me, show me the actual stone. 
Oh, you're um, looking for the the actual because there's not just, a lot of images. You yet. just there described it is. to me this. Yeah. So, so okay. Yeah. So one of the things that's really frustrating about this game is they they have an amazing use of of symbols. <coughs> mm-hmm. They're they're incredibly hard for me to read. Yeah. They, they aren't like they look like symbols in our world, but then they don't. They keep throwing yeah. in these weird things, and it's so cool that you can design these symbols that are so similar to you know symbols that we have but that are look so they're just so different though like there's mm. so much about them where it's like yeah i don't know exactly what that's saying like even the the simple design yeah, on their the, cheek the, yep you know i don't know exactly what that's saying um this here as i look at it obviously you have a tail and then you have an arrow pointing upwards yeah that and it looks like an arrow and it's shooting upwards now this is really good because there is a line that sid says here talking about the previous civilization that we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. he says some say they blocked out the stars yeah. But that was but down was the only way to go from there. There's yeah. probably a lesson to, to be learned learn from, from all that, that yeah. right? <laughs> That's when and they go to the woods after this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so there is a lesson to be learned. It sounds like they were brought back down under the shadow of the crystal, right? That would be Yeah. a way of looking at that. But this shows an ascent. These are things in ascent, right? Going and up. this is when this empire or whatever you want to call it was former civilization. A former civilization was ascending. They had their sights set on the stars. They blocked out the stars, right? Of course, whatever made them fall is not represented in their symbology. But yeah. this is this was a high culture that had high sights, yeah. right? Looking upward, yeah. um, and that I can I can read that from this. Anything else? My gosh, it yeah. kind of looks like an arrow-ish sort of maybe cross. It's, it's a lot circular. of repetition of just one symbol, the yes. smaller one. That's sort of that. That is sixteen times represented there. Yeah. But then there's the thing in the middle, the circle. That yes, the circle. I don't really <coughs> know what what. That, they're they're it's concentric. Basic. You yeah. have two concentric circles. It's so it's so basic. It's so basic. <laughs> I don't know what it's saying. Yes. Like, and that's one of the things I have difficulty with because there's circles around here as well, right? But yeah. then this circle is the only one that's that's lit up. Um, and the fact that they're concentric circles gives you the idea of something like a target or something like a, a mm. you know an entrance, like a pathway. Sure. Um, you enter in th- by by a certain way, and these are kind of like gates. A stone of aret is like a gate, right, towards mm. this this otherworldly realm. <laughs> yeah, where you can just practice in the idos, you can practice in the pleroma, yeah. and not have it affect the real world. Yeah. And then you have to come back, right? Mm. But these symbols don't. It's hard for me to read them, and that's very frustrating for me. Yes, it's very frustrating. <laughs> but it's a gate of sorts. It just isn't what I would have shown if I was going to use symbols to signify that it's a gate. Yeah. So, but I, I actually res- respect it a lot because <coughs> they're coming up with original symbols. Yeah. Which is really hard to do. Yeah. So, anyways, that's what I got for that. Yeah. I love it, though. I think it's cool. I, I like the design a lot. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool, but I didn't really know what to think of it beyond that. Yeah, me neither, honestly. So, I took down kind of a bunch of different ATL passages. I don't know if we necessarily need to go over all of these right I now. I thought about taking some down, but instead I just read them all that I could at the yeah, time. And too. then I was like, oh, I'll just remember them as we go. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, we had some questions about how the blessing of the phoenix works. and Yeah, that was pretty clear. You know, you get that answered here. You know, the boon Joshua bestowed on his brother Clive. Yes. So, it was power given to him by Joshua. By Joshua specifically. That was yeah. a question we had last time, right? That um, Clive retains, by the way. Yeah, he keeps it even after Joshua's gone. So, it's a permanent Very gift. Very interesting, or, yeah. You know, 
permanent sort of bestowal of In which power. case, it, that power basically belongs to Clive now. Like yes. He, he has that power. And whatever he does with Garuda, he, he sort of takes it this time. So instead of it yeah. being given to him, which is the blessing of Phoenix, right. he, gets, he, he takes the blessing of yeah. Garuda somehow. Because yeah, yeah. I was really confused about that scene, which we're not talking about yet, but... Like, wait, what happened? She she lost it, and then he got, but then she gets it back. And like, what? What's good? But yeah, that was it, strange. When she got it back, that was very. Strange. I'm pretty sure she was just left weak from him taking the blessing, the same exact style of blessing mm. he got from the phoenix. So he he but does she not was saying like she, I can't hear her anymore. She's not with me. Yeah, I I think that maybe when Joshua gave the phoenix, I would assume. Again, speculation. He would have also been left weak and maybe like unable to connect Lacking with Phoenix for a while. But it was done in this safe environment, and he oh, was allowed to rest afterwards. Okay. Whereas she didn't expect this to happen, okay. and so she tried to just like immediately like go back to summoning it again, and couldn't right. until she was pushed to like a, a, a level of yeah. desperation where like something clicked and she like got it back. That's my. That's the only way I can make this make sense. <laughs> because he didn't take Garuda. He just took the blessing of Garuda, like he has the blessing Okay, of that Phoenix. makes sense. That makes sense. Because he didn't really summon Garuda or anything. No. He, he didn't seem to be capable of that. No. He's, okay. not, he's not the dominant of Garuda. That makes sense. Yeah. I like that. So, anyway. And then um, Sid, of course, has Rama's power. Yes. He's the dominant of Rama. So, yeah, we've got, like, the passage on Metia. I don't know if you read that. The, the Red Star... The burning yeah. red star that sits beneath the moon. So it always travels with the moon, it, it, which means it's, it's not like tail. a part of the firmament. It's not a star out I, there. I, I took a note of that. Right. Yeah. It, it actually is orbiting the planet with yes. the moon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not orbiting the moon. It just stays there. Yeah. It's just traveling behind the moon. Right. Very so there's something something to that for sure. Yeah. Um, so folklore ascribes to Metio the rule of message bearer to the moon the role of message bearer to the moon. So it is common custom across Valisthea to wish upon the star that one's heartfelt desires might be conveyed to the heavens and beyond. So that's what... Uh, so the star's like a relay, right? Yeah. You wish on the star and then the star then... The mediator puts to it the out heavens. to the heavens, yeah. Right. Very cool. Um, okay, so that's all that. Um... I don't really have much else from here nope. in the um, hideaway to talk I about. I don't either. I, we're in the forest where we see Benedicta now. <coughs> yeah. For so me. we go to the Great Wood. You you fight against that giant, like, lizard-looking dinosaur yeah. monster thing, right? <laughs> yeah. That's um, right with all the spikes. And, oh, yeah. That was, that was a good fight. That I was a good fight. fight. It was. Um, oh, the, he does mention, um, like, Sid says something about, like, being, he was surprised to see that monster as far south as they were. Like, oh, what the yeah. heck is that thing doing so far south? Mm -hmm. That's a northern enemy. The, you know, the, the blight yeah. from the north, the, which we talked about last time, being kind of like a common archetype of sorts for yes. myths, mythos like this. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's. I think Clive's answer is looking for food, right? Like, the yeah. blight has taken the north. There's nothing left up there. That it's been sense. forced this far south to, like, find wolves yeah. to eat. And so, and then I think uh, Sid has a really funny line there. I'd invite him over for dinner. It feels bad for him almost like, but I, I'm afraid he'd eat the dog. <laughs> he'd eat Torgal. <laughs> uh, anyways, you end up having to fight it though. Yeah. Um, so you defeat that and then you're kind of making your way through. You see a royalist. So a soldier from the kingdom of Woled. 
So mm. that's what they're talking about when they say royalists. So yeah. you have your imperials and you have your royalists. Imperials are Sanbrek, royalists are Waled. Right. So they see some Waled soldiers and they sort of sneak, you know, to sort of spy on them. Benedicta is there. Um, they, they have some guy who is, is an informant. He's like telling them something, probably about Lost Wing. Like he's probably from Lost Wing and he's like selling them out. That's right. Yeah. And um, she like kicks him away and he's like, oh, I, I, didn't I, I yeah. prove my loyalty? It's like, well, you sold out your friends. And yeah. so she like stabs him or whatever. Yep. And then another soldier kind of comes up behind them. And, and so it's like, oh, we're caught. So now we have to fight against some soldiers there. Um, that leads us into Lost Wing itself, where the where this group, uh, uh, Benedicta's intelligencers, I think is what they're called. They've sort of captured the people of Lost Wing and they've locked yeah. them down in a cellar downstairs, and they're there to get the dominant of fire. Yes. that we're there to find. Yes, and they seem more or less successful, right? They yeah, kind of so bound him in chains. They they got his companion first, the girl. Yeah. yeah. And, and they hoped that in capturing her that he would reveal himself. Yeah. So you you free Gav and the other people of Lost Wing, and then you're just chasing this soldier who leads you straight to Benedicta, and she gets pissed about this. Like, yeah, you just, that's right. It's like, Imperials are here. It's like, and you just led them straight to us. Like, what are you doing? No, mercy. She, like, kills him. Um, but no, the, the idea was that uh, they were, since they didn't get, the dominant that they would get the companion and then he would come back. But then yeah. at the end of that scene, she summons uh, one of her, I don't know the names of, there's like the twin enemies you fight that she sort of summons to fight you. It's oh the yeah. First one but of they're those. also flying, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, they're like flying right. type They're kind monsters. of like, I think Sid calls them harpies. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So you fight one of them and then uh, Benedict is even surprised that uh, you could, fight that thing. Yes. She's taking note of you. Sid shows up and then the soldier shows up and he's like, we got the dominant now. We're going back to Kara Norvin. So they, they took the dominant and the dominant's companion, the girl traveling with the dominant. Yeah. Back to this castle where they're going to be questioning him slash trying to like manipulate him and joining their side. Right. They want another dominant for Waled. Right. Um, so but there's some good dialogue in between Sid and Benedicta here. Is this how you recruit all your charges? She says to Sid, right? Talking of Clive. Don't recall you complaining, Benedicta. I love that. <laughs> he's really good with like the witty comebacks. Oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I you know, it, it was exactly the same with you. Like, what are you talking about? Um, then she asks him why he betrayed Waled, his kingdom. He says, why? Because I've had enough of you and your king's antics. Uh, so they have a little bit of a spat back and forth there, and then she kind of runs yeah. off, and they've got the dominant. Now, there was some good dialogue between Sid and Clive back here. Yeah. Um, the ruins are everywhere, so that's what, talking about the ruins that you already talked about. Um, oh, I also took a note that anytime Sid seems to use his powers, he coughs, he coughs blood. Yes, quite a bit. So yeah, this yeah. is this is probably what was making Joshua sick. Sure, was just using his powers at all. So he yeah. you know, he uses his little healing Phoenix powers on and yeah, and it, and he starts coughing after that. So it's just it takes a toll on the body 
being yep. a dominant and using the powers at all. So that was what was making him sick. We would also explain uh, why the Duke's father died early. You know, it's yeah. Right. I think you brought that up actually. So uh, let's see. I took down this dialogue. Save for our knack. Dominance and bearers are no different from anyone else. The ability to use magic or summon great beasts should command respect, but instead has left us outcasts. Our kind are used and discarded like tools, yet we are men, so why must we die as less? And I think Clive's response to that was, I see, so what you're saying is you want to start a war. <laughs> <laughs> a revolution, right? <laughs> he says, you flatter me, lad, but my days as a firebrand are long behind me. No, I wish only to offer our kind a choice, a place where they can die on their own terms. And then, Clive, mm -hmm. what exactly do you plan on doing when you find this dominant of fire? And he says, what do you think? I'll show him the mercy he showed my brother and cut out the tongue of any man who tries to talk me out of it. it which is so, a threat to stop Sid. Stop bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing this, no matter what you say. Right? Yeah. So, um, and then they were talking about the, just icons. Yeah, uh, the second icon of fire right. and how that's kind and, of and, not possible. And Clive is <coughs> saying, oh, so you don't believe me. Like, he, you're suggesting no. you don't believe me. And uh, Sid quotes scripture. And lo, the creator did make the elements eight icons to serve the keepers of the one law. Yep. Not that I've ever set too much store by holy doctrine, but on that, but point, on that point, it's clear. It's clear. Fire has always just had the one warden, as of all the rest. A new one can't be born until the previous one dies, and even that can take years. The thing is, you don't strike me as a liar, which leaves but one person who might be able to shed some light on the matter, and they're in Lost Wing, the dominant they're going after. Yeah. Uh, as our Walauder friends, I'd imagine. So they're all going there to get that in. So Sid is becoming more interested. Yes. Uh, by the way, I forgot about this as I'm reading it now. Eight. Eight. Holy eight icons. Dominance. Eight uh, or eight icons. Eight maybe. icons. This is good because you mentioned there were 16. Yes. That could be that. Yes, that actually eight, could be it. There could because be two there's two dominants of each, of each element. element. Yeah. Could be. And that's 16. That could be it. That could be it. I was going to say, when you say 16, uh, as you do number stuff above a certain number, you just it's either a double or some multiple of a smaller number. Yeah. So the number 16 doesn't have meaning in and of itself, other than the fact that it is the number 8 Connected twice. Connected to 8, yeah. And so here we go. We're finding the number 8 now. Yeah. <coughs> That's a good point. I think that that, that yeah. might be interesting for So then the, the 16 symbols could be the 16 icons. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay, uh, Okay. so they're taking the bearers from Lost Wing to Cairn Norwood. They've taken a lot of prisoners, and then they took the dominant with them. Um, so now they're making their plans to go there and get the dominant, which is what Clive is there for, and yeah. get the prisoners, which is what Sid is there for, to return the bearers back to Lost Wing. And they show now, they keep showing the moon. They've shown the moon so a many times. A lot of times. It's a crescent moon yeah. at this stage. But it's 13 years later, and that red star is still there. It's crazy. Yes. And even in a different phase of the moon, yes. the red star is still... Still in the same position. Right there. Same so, position. Huge thing to note there. Also, it's mentioned that there might be an airship in the village. Yeah. Right? There's an airship... But Sid's uh, like, yeah, but we don't know what to do with it. It doesn't yeah, fly or anything. Yeah. He's like, what's that structure there in the village he's pointing out before they arrive in Lost Wing? He's like, oh, they, they call it an airship, but yeah. I think it's flying days or behind exactly. it. Exactly. So but there's some as a video game player, possible foreshadowing. Yeah, we know that its flying days are likely not at all behind it. Probably not, but ahead of it. Um, 
Okay, so, and he also says before they take off, I've been thinking, if our friend is a dominant, why not just burn the royalists to a crisp? There's a reason he's holding back, and I reckon it has something to do with his partner. Uh, so, mm. what makes you say that? The partner Clyde. meaning the girl. Right? The girl yeah. that he's with, right? What makes you say that? And he says, one of the villagers I talked to said the two were uh, separated. So, the the which they don't show because in the scene, yeah, yeah, you didn't see when it. Benedict is talking to him, they're in together. the same room together, but and apparently she's using the girl to threaten him. Right. Kind of, yeah. She's like her. stabs, stabs yeah. her in the shoulder. But apparently they were taken to care Norman separately hmm. in order to, again, threaten. If you use your dominant of fire powers and kill us, like we'll kill your yeah. companion. So right. like you, so anyways, he says, one of the villagers I said, uh, said that the two were separated. If the loaders have her, our dominants like to think twice before starting any fires. Whoever he is, he's shown himself to have a level head. He's careful, cunning, and he doesn't want to be found. This could spell trouble for us and the royalists both. So we're dealing with somebody who is not, um, who thinks things through. <laughs> yeah. Is not like quick to anger or, uh, yes. we, we need to be careful with this person. Someone who's cold and calculated, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Um, and then Clive asks as they're on their way there, what are the royalists thinking? Why take the stronghold that they've no chance of holding? And Sid responds, when they've no intent, uh, when, or why, okay, sorry. Why take a stronghold they've no chance of holding? Because they've no intention of holding it is essentially the answer. Oh, they the don't want to. The king is yeah. up to something. So the, mm. they're doing this on purpose. Yeah. Uh, Clive says, the king? And he says, well, you don't think they're acting on a whim, do you? This is one of his majesty's cunning stunts, and he has sent his best to execute it. So, Sid would know. Mm. He used to be a lord commander in this army, in the right. Waled army. So, he knows the king personally. Um, okay, so they arrive now at the fort, and they're kind of looking up, and this is the moon you talked about, Crescent Moon. Yep. And uh, he, uh, Clive asks... Sid, you know, what's in it for him? Like, why is he doing this? And he says, this isn't just about dominance and bearers. It's about all of us. What I want is to build a place where it doesn't matter what you are, but who you are. Um, but our world isn't ready for a place like that. So until it is, I use the power I've been given to show people there's hope. I really liked that line. It really struck me for some reason. Um, because I think it's kind of common for people in our own age to feel this way. Like our world isn't ready for this ideal we have. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I guess kind of no matter what sort of, uh, ideology you follow or whatever, it seems like the world just is primed for conflict. People are not ready to yeah. live in a, a world that a peaceful world with each other, a united world. It's just like, yeah. there's just something stopping us from getting to that point. Uh, so it, it can be really easy to become cynical, to become, you know, to give up on people. Yeah. Uh, I, have felt that way many, many times in my life <laughs> where it's just like, dude, I'm just, I hate people. I'm so sick of people. Like yeah. the people deserve to die. Just like end it already. You know? <laughs> like just freaking launch the nukes. Like <laughs> having the strength, I guess, to, in the face of that, be able to still show, no, there is something about us where there's the potential for mm. what that world we're talking about. Yeah. Right? And so I'm not fighting to fix it. I'm not fighting to 
uh, with any sort of hope that I'll be able to actually get us much closer to the world that I foresee. But I mm -hmm. want to at least give the people around me some hope that it is a possibility, that it's something worth fighting for, and that someday we might get there. And that's kind of just the attitude you have to take yeah. unless you want to live <laughs> in a way in which you hate your fellow man and <laughs> have no hope for anything and, you know, just live the cynical life. Yeah. So, I, I don't which, know, it was, it was a really simple line, but it sort of struck me um, as being like, I don't know, I just I just like Sid a lot, I guess. Yeah, he's good. Like I just like him a lot as a character, and the way he goes about things, and especially I mean, as he talks about his his days as a firebrand are over. Yet look what he's doing, right? It's yeah. like, well, okay, he's not just like he's not doing what he did when he was younger. He's kind of admitting like maybe I I made mistakes when I was younger. Maybe I was too headstrong. But what he's doing now is strategically slowly building up, essentially yeah. something that can eventually accomplish what he wants instead of you know wanting it now mm. and doing whatever it takes to get it now he's like no this is going to take time but it's going to be worth it yeah <coughs> uh let's see i took the same note about the the crescent moon and the metia um okay so now we get a scene with benedicta and the king of waled they're in bed together um he mentions how most of the eastern territory has been taken over by orcs, so beastmen of the Ash continent. Hmm. So most of the Ash, eastern side That's of the right, Ash yeah. continent's been taken over by orcs. The dark swallows more of the realm with each passing day. The land is starved of the ether that gives it life. And as the fringes fade, the people flock to the mother crystals desperate for the blessing. The war we wage for possession of that blessing, it breaks us from within, hastening us to our destruction. Uh, I unite the dominance, he says, that we may bring an end to the strife and found a new order to see us unto tomorrow. The world must be restored and I will see it so. So we're getting a little bit of the reason why he's doing what he's doing. He's trying to get all the dominance onto his side. Yeah. So that he can create some sort of new world. So that's what he's saying, but Sid seems to think he's got some other more twisted sort of- Oh, of course. Ambitions, right? I don't know, anybody who's trying to take over the world will have some dream of how the world will be better once they do it. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's just your, 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 your means are so horrific that the ends, not only are they unattainable through those means, but they just pale in comparison to, like, you, it's, it's unachievable through, by the way you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be what Sid has more or less realized himself. Yeah. Where it's like, it's better, if you want peace, start with peace. If you want peace, don't start with war. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. Now, I don't know where Sid's going, or I don't know, maybe there will still be a war. Um, but <coughs> Yeah, um, and then, you know, she brings up, we might have already accomplished this had Sid not betrayed us. Oof. It's like, why Run do you keep Sid. talking about him? <laughs> I will. You, are you really like lust for his embrace like so much mm -hmm. like, and she's like oh no I'm sorry like, nope, nope, it's nope. only you it's only you but she, we she know let it slip a little bit we know what she, she really feels she, <laughs> she's been she's she's been around a bit yes and it's so it's so funny because she's a good actress she's good at um, manipulation manipulating people so it's really hard to tell when she's being sincere and the yeah. assumption is just that she's insincere all the time right? and that she has her own motivations for doing everything yep. and that she would drop any of these guys in, in a moment. Yeah. Um, 
so then she's she's up on the tower a little bit later, and she knows that Sid and Clive are coming. They're setting a trap for them. Yeah, she can tell. So they're they like lead them into the the chapel area. You know, yes, like that, that's where she'll be waiting for them, right? Yeah, I love so it. So you kind of go the through chapel this. Chapel looks awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you so cool. you go through this whole sort of level. This was. I'll just kind of quickly go over this point because it's not that important in the scheme of the podcast, but um, a lot of the maps so far in the game I haven't loved. They've all been, like, extremely linear at this Quite point. A bit, yeah. I mean, to the point of feeling restrictive, it's like, why can't I climb that, like, yay high <laughs> box to go that way? It's, well, well that's, a, that's a plot wall. You're not supposed to go that way. You're supposed yeah, to go yeah. this way. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I liked the castle, this Care Norvent here, because um, it gives you a couple of different ways to get to the same place. So it, there was a little bit more of, I felt, like satisfying exploration. I, oh, many yeah. times I went, wait a minute. I'm going to stop and go back that other way and see if rooms. I missed something yeah, over there. Yeah. And so this was the first time I, I felt that in the that's game. Cool, that's cool. So I really liked this section. Yeah, I liked cool. the battles here. Um, I kind of liked the whole scenario. I thought it was really, really nice. It builds up to this fight with first Benedicta and then her in her semi-primed phase and then her in the fully primed phase, yeah. Garuda. There's like three fights against her and the way it sort of leads up to those and they're all very, very good. Um, but I liked this level. I just thought the level was well-designed, yeah, more so than any of the other areas we had been to before this. I didn't really like the Great Wood too much. There's been some other areas, even like, um, what is it, Stillwind back in the demo where you're going through that abandoned village oh, and yeah. all the... Yeah, yeah. Well, the goblins, the are goblins. It, same thing. It's just, it just, swampy. it felt too restricted. It, there's not, yeah. an, it's not open enough to feel like a, a zone, like in Final yeah. Fantasy 12, in 12 or something yeah. like that, where you can actually explore it a little bit, right? Mm. It's just, yeah. it's been more hallway like, like in Final Fantasy 13, but I liked this level because it sort of opened it up a little bit more. Um, but you make your way up to the top, yeah, and uh, she's waiting for you there. And Sid says, Sid says, little late for prayer, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> she says, do I seem so desperate as to grovel at the feet of a false god? I was yeah. waiting for you. Not for too long, I hope. Uh, all this for a midnight chat? Well, let's chat then. Where are the men and women you took from Lost Wing? So he wants the slaves back, the, yeah. the branded back. You mean where's the dominant? <laughs> While Ed shall be requiring his services indefinitely, come back to me, Sidolphus. I need you. I guess we had kind of skipped briefly the scene where she had been. We alluded to it, but didn't really get into the scene where she was um, trying to convince the Dominant to join them, and she was stabbing yeah. the companion. And <laughs> I didn't have a ton of notes there. It was pretty straightforward. I don't either. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, because um, they're trying to hide who, who this person is. Yes. And so it was a short scene. Yeah. So there, I didn't feel like there was like really a ton to go over there, but that, that happened before this. Um, so she's trying to get him to come back. Think of all the things we can create together, the world that we can build. You need me? That's so classic, by the way. That's <laughs> right? like the most cliche line. It ever. is about <laughs> as tropey as it gets as far as like 100%. fantasy dialogue for the villain to convince the... Yeah. Yeah. Unconvincing at all. <laughs> like not even for not a Not even moment. a little bit. Yeah. Think of the world we could build together. No, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, your king is the one who needs me. I'm all for building a new world, just not his. 
That bastard's dreams are as twisted as his promises are false, and I want no part of them. But King Barnabas saved you, and this is how you speak of him? Have you no shred of loyalty? loyalty? What, to a leader who would use me like he uses you? You know nothing of me, Sidolphus. So I think you're right. There's yeah. something we should touch on here. This conversation is one that we have seen like, I don't know, a hundred times in yeah. different stories. It's in the life. same conversation of this. It's tropey. For this, yeah. Yet, uh, the the performances are really good. No, oh, they are very and good. And so yeah. the dialogue still works. Yeah, I like, think so. You, you really can kind of feel individually relate to the individual Sid rather than to just this sort of, uh, I, I've heard this conversation and a million things before. Yeah. Honestly, it, I think Sid works. in particular makes it very, yeah. very interesting. He's just such a good actor. Well, Benedicta's throwing the tropes yeah. and Sid, <laughs> Sid is just like rejecting, him. just slapping them all down yeah. like really well. Like, it's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I liked a couple of his lines, uh, yeah. She, she's, you know nothing of me, Sidolphus. And he's like, you're right. I don't know who you are anymore right. or what you want. I only know what you used to say, that you were tired of running, that you just wanted to be free, free from it all, which is what he's doing. He's providing that freedom. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you weren't lying to me then. So what changed? Like, what made you think you had to sacrifice who you were to get what you wanted? Mm-hmm. She's like, I use my talents to my advantage. You tell me that there's shame in that? Yeah. And he's like, if that there's no shame... Then why do you feel so sorry for yourself? See, this is great because <laughs> Benedicta is running up against somebody who who knows her, who knows yeah. her very well deep down. None of these other people that she's been with lately yeah. uh, know her very well. No, and but Sid does. Yeah, and so he can see through everything that she's doing, everything she's saying. She's making, she's throwing excuses. She's pretending. What I what, I don't have anything to be ashamed of. And he's like, I know you. Why do you feel so sorry for yourself? And she just, she screams with rage. Yep. She can't deal with Sid. He knows her too well. She can't yep. do what she normally does with other people. Well, she's she's not challenged by anybody else. <laughs> like, true, there's actually. nobody who challenges her on anything she says or does or commands. Right. And so, like, coming up against him, <laughs> yeah. like, it's very frustrating for her. Like, oh, yes. someone who not only will not listen to what she's saying or, or will not agree or will not do what she wants, but who can pierce through what she's saying and yeah. like actually show her that she's being a hypocrite or that she's yeah. lying or that she's not being true to herself or that yes, whatever. That. It's like, you know, she makes her question herself and she's not going to stand that anymore. So they start <laughs> fighting and that <laughs> fight is actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's good. But again, I'm left with questions. So, the result of this fight is Sid gets knocked into a statue that then yes. falls on top that of him. That statue is so cool. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, and Benedicta walks that direction. She is positive he's dead. Leaves the twins to fight us and yeah. finish us off. Did she just not check? He, he, it seemed like he <laughs> rolled all? away. Like he just like, I don't think that's fell on him. We encounter him after this, and my whole thought was like, what? Like, yeah. he's just sitting there? Yeah. Oh, like, oh, I'm hurt, and I need a moment to catch my breath. Go after her. But, like, she didn't check. Yeah. And also, if she did check, she left him alive. Why? She just, like, walks back upstairs and just, like, looking out over the balcony. Like, why do villains, like, never, ever finish <laughs> the job? It's so stupid. I don't know. Like, I don't. 
I don't get it. Like, what did she do? She just she is that what I'm meant to believe? Because the 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 point of view goes away from her, so we don't really see what happens. We no. Just but when she sees Sid again, the, she's like screaming, "How are you still alive?" Well, but was she saying that to him or to us because she'd been Both. fighting us the whole time? Well, she said it to us first, and then Sid shows up, and he's like, give it up, Benedict. <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be dead. Yeah, so, I mean, is that did she literally just walk upstairs and I not... I so. It, that's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's just dumb. I'm sorry. It's dumb. Like... <laughs> You've got to verify the kill. Yes. Yeah. How hard is it to just walk up there and like stab the guy right. and like end it? Like, why do they never do that? Why couldn't they have left it off where if they're she at some had kind to of, run away, they're at some kind of, of stalemate, or they take the battle elsewhere? Sure, and they're fighting up yeah. stairs now, and then by the time you arrive there, he's injured yes. and says, "Now you got to." Or she pushes him away and then runs the opposite direction instead yes. of going right past him. Yes, in order to go to the next place. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Know. I, I didn't like that. <laughs> totally. Um, the chapel is sick, by the way. So okay. this, is this, my question here, is this the goddess Grigor that we heard of earlier? Because they Oh, yeah, they've, they've, they brought that name up Be blessed times. by the goddess Gregor or Grigor. Grigor, um, yeah. And they're in this, um, well, first off, the name Benedicta, it means blessed, right? Oh. Bene, Benedicta or benediction, like, yeah, like benediction. Bless, a blessing. Yeah. Um, but so her... Benedicta, whose name means blessed, says that this is a false god. In the statue, there's a goddess, <coughs> very plainly dressed, by the way, not like ornamented and flowing, you know, she just like a very simple, almost like a nightgown that the that the goddess is wearing. Yeah. Um, and her palms are facing towards us, but her hands are down by her side. And there's a circle behind her. But unlike the halo circles you see in some Christian art, this circle is bigger and centers more on her heart or her mm. chest, right? But it's kind of framing her in that way. Now, this is the one that falls, yeah. almost falls on top of Sid. Um, I, I I thought it looked really cool. I really liked yeah, it. So I wanted to point really cool. it out. I think that's, I think that's Grigor. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't even, even look at it that closely. I was just yeah. confounded at how she wasn't finishing him off. <laughs> 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 what are you doing? Oh, uh, that's so funny. I mean, I guess you could, I don't, I don't know. There's probably ways you could explain it away. She loves him. She doesn't really want him to die. Maybe she's trying to make sure. him think about it a little yeah. bit longer. I don't know. But it's, right. I, well, it would have been better, I feel like, had they continued fighting. And then, like, you're left yeah. there to fight the twins. And don't you give get her a up chance. There, and then at that moment, he comes falling down. Blah, and he's all messed up. He's like, okay, yeah. you take care of the rest. I can't. Sure, sure. I can't fight anymore. I that would have been that. good. I would have liked that a lot better. So when we get up to the roof where she went, um, she's just staring at the moon, or I guess the star next to the moon once again. Metia. She's just chilling, looking up there. Um, and then she says, uh, fool is the shepherd who heeds every bleat of the flock. Yeah, I liked this metaphor. That's that a really used. interesting line. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's almost like the opposite of the Jesus shepherd metaphors where you leave the 99 to go after the one yes right and she's, she's saying, saying you're a fool <laughs> if you leave the 99 and go after the one you're a yep. fool and this is her ideology though right her idea is like don't worry about everyone you can't help everyone just take what you can and help who you yeah. want and then do what helps yourself uh which is a reversal of the jesus metaphor which is everyone's valuable even the least of the people go out yeah. and help them right right um and then she says oh you know he clive keeps uh, you know, sort of standing up to her, like uh, mm. challenging her, and and she's treating it like 
I'm not on the same level as you. You're not getting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're really not getting it, and it's starting to get annoying. Um, uh, he's she's her final line there is, um, "Come, little lamb, to the slaughter with you." But uh, yeah. must I spell it out for you, Brandon? <laughs> like, are you are you stupid? Like, yeah. you cannot freaking. I'm you don't a dominant. Stand a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think you are, right? And think of the other dominance that we fought. Like, we have not really seen her full power yet. Nope. And um, think of what happened when with Ifrit and Phoenix. Yeah. Like, everyone just got incinerated yeah, immediately. Like, when, when these dominants, even with Titan and elsewhere, um, when these dominants show their full power, it is it is a destructive force of nature. It's, so, yeah, but it's Clive is okay with dying, I suppose. So he's yeah. like, so what? I'll do what I can. You kill me, you kill me. Because all he cares about is... Revenge. Getting the dominant, like uh, the yeah, fire yeah. dominant that he's here after. Just right. tell me where he's. I don't. Literally, I'm going to die after this anyway. Exactly. He's yeah. given up on life. He just the, the one purpose. He's driven for that. Yeah. But ends up fighting her, and this is a good fight. Um, I really liked this one. It's probably my favorite. N- not the um, the Garuda fight after mm-hmm. this, but this fight against her this when one. she's semi primed. Yeah. She got the wings and stuff. Yeah. It was tough. Um, uh, I, I died on this one. I've only died, I think, twice in the game. Um, and this was one of the times was yeah. in, during that part. Um, when you die, the game brings you back with all your potions filled up. So it, nice. it kind of gives, <laughs> makes it easier to yeah, yeah. <laughs> like finish. And, and it'll do like auto saves in between phases of the fight. So you don't have to oh, redo right. the whole fight over again. It's like, just start that phase again. That part. So it's not too hard <laughs> um, for that reason. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a really, it's a really cool fight. Uh, all of the spectacle, I guess I'll say just generally in the game is like super well executed. Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. like really, really intense stuff and you can really feel like the intensity of these fights. Uh, and, and the other thing too, is I, I, I had talked about before, you know, not necessarily loving how flashy the effects are in the combat and feel like, oh, it's covering up too much of the screen. It's hard to kind yeah, of read yeah. the action. I found that that has not been the case when I'm playing the game. Yeah. It was more an issue of watching the trailers and right. like, trying to like see it. But like when I'm actually doing it and I know the moves I'm doing. It doesn't seem it, so chaotic. It's not really like that big of an issue. Oh, I that's found. good. That's good. So yeah. like, I mean, know, I found it too, but we aren't doing, by this point in the game, we still aren't quite that's doing true. like I the mean, big. We got... Lots Huge more combos. stuff to learn. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, there's still kind of a lot of flashy stuff you can oh, do. Oh, there is, yeah. I've found that it hasn't been as bad as I was expecting it was going to be. It's It's been pretty... It's been fine. I've actually kind of enjoyed the combat in this game a lot. Um, okay, but you end up de- defeating her in that mm-hmm. form. She's de- just has no idea how that's even possible. Just totally confused. How? Who are you? What are you? Yep. He keeps demanding that she tell him where the dominant is, and she's just like, just struck by like it's not possible that you defeated me. Yeah, and so he reaches out towards her. I would assume to grab her and sort of like shake her, like, yeah. "Hey, like, listen, like, just tell right. me where he's at." But in the act of doing that, somehow, yeah, I wonder how this works. Takes her like we said earlier, the blessing of Garuda. So mm. similar to his blessing of the Phoenix, he's not the dominant of Phoenix, but he has some of the powers of Phoenix that were gifted to him by Joshua. 
In this case, he's taking those, the Garuda blessing from her. He, he somehow steals it. And this leaves her, at least for a period of time, like totally drained maybe of ether, or I'm not sure what exactly the perfect explanation is, but she is afraid that she has actually lost Garuda altogether. And this is why I was a yeah, little confused, because yeah, she, she says... I, I can't hear I can't her voice. Hear her. She's gone. Yeah. It, it's so it 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 gives the impression that Garuda, the whole icon, is gone from her. Yeah, that's what I. And felt. she's demanding him give it back, give it yes. back. So it gives the impression he took Garuda, like he's the dominant of Garuda now. Right. But that's not it. He just took the blessing, and it took her a while to be able to sort of reconnect or reactivate and that's when it shows yeah. like it goes into her head and then you see like the the neuron firing yeah. right like the little energy going through the synapses <laughs> um and then she like totally loses control but that only happens <clears throat> uh, on the back of a scene where her and her intelligencers are sort of um they're like in the woods and they're ambushed by some bandits and like all the men are killed and she's the only one and left. she can't do anything yeah, yeah. And so they're like threatening to sell her as a slave, uh, even a sex slave is what is insinuated here, but mm. they're gonna like try her out first, right? To like, right. It, would, it would be a disservice to our customers to not like try the goods first. It's pretty like right. yeah. intense uh, stuff. And, and she has a flashback to when she was saved by Sid in probably a similar situation. Right, that's right. They, this is the first time we see her Yeah. previously, yeah. Yeah, they can't hurt you anymore is what he says. Yeah. And I really liked just the whole presentation of how they went about insinuating this stuff without actually showing anything explicit. You still really feel the intensity of it, right? Like yeah. it still feels really heavy, but like they don't have to like go too far with it. I think they, yeah. they walked that line really well in how they presented this. And they did it in a sort of an abstract way, which was yeah, kind of cool too. Right. But she, so she grabs his hand in the flashback, but then the hand slips away, which again is an abstract way of representing she let him, you know, the, this connection she had, this yeah. like real uh, relationship, this genuine sort of connection with a person, this person who wanted to genuinely help her, she allowed that to get away, so to speak. Right. And now, then, then her line in response to that is, you know, is this my punishment for not listening to you, right? Mm. And then that's when she loses it. Like, this wretched world, it deserves to die. And she, like, goes crazy. And that's what activates Garuda. It comes that's back. right, yeah. And so then she's primed, fully primed, but she kind of like with uh, Ifrit, it, uh, when Clive primes, he's not in control of the dominant Right, she loses all. complete control, yeah. yeah. She's Which makes me wonder, that's not the case with the other dominance though, right? Yeah, so there's actually a, there's an ATL on this that mm. kind of explains that for the most part, dominants are in control when they prime. Um, like Joshua was in control. You heard his voice. He was like yeah, making yeah. intentional choices and fighting and, you know, he was struggling with it, but like he was controlling it. Um, I would assume Shiva and... Titan when they were fighting both those dominants were in control of the mm. icons when they were fighting uh, yeah. in this case this is a very chaotic fight in which both dominants are not in control of the icon yeah. it's just totally yeah, it like running rampant just like massive destructive forces like hitting each other uh, but yeah Clive 
does not control Ifrit when it happens. And in, and in this case, she's no longer in control. That's what Sid says as they're looking out when the, like the vortex in the distance. It's like, we better get out of here. Like, yeah, like she's 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 lost it. Like this is going to be bad. But uh, Clive is he like hears someone calling to him uh, yeah. in a different language. They, they have the text yes. and the subtitles. Uh, let's see. They they says a couple things. It says uh, mythos a couple of times. It says awaken later when he actually like mm. primes and transforms. But there's there's like a voice calling to him, and so he's he he uh, says no, like someone's calling to me, like I have to yeah. go. He's like, well, damn it, lad, you don't have to listen <laughs> just because <laughs> it's calling you, right? That's I, I should have stayed with Gav, right? <laughs> so they run into. Yeah the eye of the storm so as far as the different language goes i don't know exactly what it is i have a guess though um there's that other language that, that El- elwin speaks when yeah he talks to the, then owl, the, the magic that makes the owl kind incantation of, for yeah. the, the stolasis i think is the name of that l and then there was also the time when um clive becomes ifrit initially at the phoenix gate where yeah. he sees the hooded figure and the hooded figure says something and it's translated at the bottom, I guess, like, I found you or something. Yes, I found you. That yeah. was what it was. But it was not in English, though. It yes. was spoken in a, in a different yeah. language. Because right? I remember when I was playing the demo, I was trying to read the lips. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't figure out what he's saying. Right. <laughs> but but it's, it's a different language. Yeah, so. which is smart. I, I like that they did that. Because I think a lot of people would have been trying to, like, what is he saying? What is he saying? Yeah, yeah. And he's speaking some other language. Um, but, but the dominant is there when you arrive sort of at the, in the eye of the eye of the tempest and it's like, he's leading you. Yeah. And, and Clive is asking him like, you called me here. Like, why, why'd you do that? Right. And he turns around and just sort of smiles. And then like Garuda shows up and then you got to fight Garuda. Yeah. But yeah, I really like well, the Well, there's effect. a line here. Go ahead. Awaken child of fate. Yes. And is this said by that hooded figure? Cause he I sees him going so, up the yeah. mountain, right? Yeah. Awaken, uh, child of fate. Another way of saying child of fate is liberi fatali. That would be Oh, Latin. yep, that's true. From back in Final Fantasy VIII. Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> so yep. he is a child of fate. Um, he needs to awaken to something else. I feel like this is a, an interesting uh, FF8 reference, at least with uh, Clive not really knowing what part he's playing in all of this. Yeah, what and his fate being is. manipulated a little bit behind the scenes. Yeah. So you have to fight Garuda first, like on foot, and you beat that phase of the boss. She's like, you know, grabbing you That's and right, like yeah. crushing like you. The and this is where yeah. he hears that line, the awakened child of fate, awakened awaken Ifrit. Child of fate. And so yeah. then, you know, like ignites. Um, and then Ifrit comes out and you have a big uh, fight between Ifrit and Garuda. How, how did you feel about this comment? Well. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, I thought, uh, well, I don't know exactly what to say. Um, it was better than the Phoenix one. Yeah. Though. It was yeah. a lot better than the Phoenix fight. Yeah. Um, it was a lot more involved. It was. I thought it was really good. Um, but there's something different about it. And I, I don't know, because one thing that you said um, last episode, or maybe it was the live stream, I'm starting to get them confused, confused now. Confused, <laughs> which, which did you actually say fantasy. it or not? Because if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> then we want to say it now. Um, that older games did this too. Like Xenogears yes. had yes. the very clunky 
fighting of the what was it when you're in the robots but in the at the, the city gears yeah in uh, when you're doing the tournament yeah in the yeah. tournament mm -hmm. and it's like a different kind of gameplay and it's actually really cool it's yeah. just uh, not the most um, tuned it, it's not gameplay. like you're playing right. Street Fighter or something it's yeah it's, exactly. it's like it's a it's a fighting game but it's kind of janky and not right. necessarily fine tuned yeah. I, so I don't want to hold it against it because it's cool that the, the game style, the gameplay style keeps changing. Yeah. And I, I, like with the Nier games, I'm really a fan of that. Yeah. I, I don't always want the combat to be the same every time, right? So I appreciate that. Uh, that being said, you know, I don't know. I, I It wasn't like, wasn't the best. What, did you, what about you? Oh, it's just, it's just simple. But oh, of course. this yeah. goes along with kind of what people were telling us in response to, you know, our thoughts about how simple the, the Phoenix fight was. Apparently these are meant to sort of rev up over the course of the game, and, oh, and good. each fight is supposed to become a little bit more involved, a little bit more. Well, I did notice that time. a little bit, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> so like you know, in the first one, it's basically just um, you you hold down your triangle button to shoot fire, and then you just sort of aim at Ifrit, and that was it. This yeah. time, it's you're you're allowed to move around yeah, a you little can actually bit, move. and you've got um, three sort of attacks. You've got like a lunging forward sort of thing where you close the gap between you and Garuda. Yeah. You've got your sort of normal square melee attack, and then you've got like a ranged attack. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you have to watch out for certain attacks where you dodge. And so it's a little bit more involved, but still pretty basic, pretty yeah, simple. Yeah. And what I'm expecting is that these should become more, more complex. That's good to hear. The, the farther so it's a go. trend. It's going to keep getting more and more. Yeah. I that's think good. that that's sort of the intention with that. So that's cool. As um, it is, though, this one did remind me of that Xenogears tournament. It does feel a little <laughs> bit like that, like a mech battle. Yeah, something. yeah, it's a mech battle. Yeah, you got instead your Luna of mechs, you've got your um, what do they call them uh, in Japan? The the giant oh, monsters. Um, what is the term they use for that? Fetch. <laughs> Why do I do this? Why do I forget as soon as uh, this kaiju? Happens? Kaiju. Kaiju. Thank That's you, a, kaiju. collector. Kaiju. It's like a kaiju battle, basically. Yeah, uh, it's pretty sweet. Um, th I think the thing. I'm fine mechanically with it. I think the only thing I didn't love about it was that almost half the fight was just FMV QTE sequences. Yeah. It's just you're watching a cutscene, you press square once in a you while. You do the things and then, yeah, you just watch the cutscene. It's, like it's like half the fight is that. Mm. And uh, that is one thing I, I, I don't think I'm going to ever be coming around on with this game. I've kind yeah. of waited to really like say this. I don't like the QTE. The do Okay, we're going into the next yeah. phase of the boss, so we're going to do a little cinematic, and you're going to have to press R1 or uh, square or yeah. press square really fast. And <laughs> it's like, like, just give me the cutscene. Don't have me do anything. Just make the boss <clears throat> change phases, and let's continue yeah. fighting, please. I don't need to like watch a cutscene. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I'd be curious <clears throat> to see how other people feel about it, um, like whether they like it, whether they feel it's exciting. Um mm like and cinematic and cool and they're really like feeling the energy of like the scene and it's like in yeah. enhancing it for them to see that um i'd be interested in hearing people's perspectives on that um for me it really just feels like you're taking control away because i mean there's plenty of other games where a boss will have several phases yeah the souls games or elden ring or something like that boss will go into the next phase but it doesn't ever take control out of the player's hands yeah to do like a cutscene. you just keep running around and it does its transformation and then you're like oh crap what do i do now I don't know. and you, <laughs> you start panicking and yeah. but like you're still you never lose contact with yeah. your avatar of the world you're you're still in control of it 
And I am not a fan of that control being taken away for the sake of some sort of spectacle, cinematic, like, cool. Okay, we're going to go, like, 3,000 feet in the air, and you're going to, like, grab her foot and, like, throw her back down again. <laughs> it's, like, it's cool, but I'm not yeah. watching a movie, man. I'm playing a game. I want to feel like I'm participating Doing in the that stuff, action. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's uh, what I really just don't like is the giant button that just like is superimposed yes. on the screen, <laughs> where it's like, hey, by the way, you're playing a video game and push this button, you have this much time to do it. Yeah. Um, that's that is a little bit too fourth wall breaking. Yeah. I mean, I get it, the numbers and there's a little HUD elements, but when it's big in the center of the screen and it's kind of like taking precedence, yeah. and it's like push this button. I, I, it's a little <laughs> too like. Uh, it yeah. treats me like a kid a little bit too much. I, yeah. I don't really like it. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of QTE. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of it even when it was a new thing back yeah. in the God of War days yeah. and in the Resident Evil 4 days when that was like, you know, kind of a trendy new mechanic. Like, yeah. especially now, it's, it, it, I don't know, not a fan. But you defeat Garuda. It is kind of cool how he does it. He like, cause they like, they can like regrow their limbs in the middle of the fight. Right. Oh yeah. Like yeah. she blows Ifrit's entire arm off and he just like <laughs> grows it back. <laughs> and like, he does the same thing. He sort of like rips pieces off of her, rips her arm off, I think. And yeah. she grows it back. So like in order to kill her, he just like keeps bringing her in closer to the body and just like incinerates her. Just the fire gets hotter and hotter and hotter and she just burns her. That's crazy. Alive. That's crazy. <laughs> so like, that was cool. I liked that idea it just like incinerates her basically to kill her so then it's just like smoldering ashes like a crater of smoldering ashes yeah but um if it doesn't come out of the icon stage no so uh clive is still there and then sid shows up and and sid is like you, he needs to stop he's gonna yep. find something else to damage while he's in the state yep <coughs> so sid decides to uh shock Transform him yeah into ramu and, and do the a cat. full, full Ramu. Yeah, like, it's freaking sweet. <laughs> yeah, really, really cool. And then does this super powerful attack, and then, of course, is really coughing afterwards. Like, yeah. oh, it's a hard recovery for him, um, but he has to do it. And I love what he says afterwards mm -hmm. uh, with Clive when Clive wakes up. He's like... <laughs> the ghost he's you've like, been chasing if, yeah, well, was yes. inside you all along. Was yeah. in. Oh, that was so good because it was... Um, I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that right. line, that was such a good line right there. Yeah. But it's so bad. Like, I'm such... Anyway, I love Sid. He's hilarious. <laughs> he's great. But he's also basically saying, like, well, if you mean... If you want to fight me, because Clive is really upset that he yeah. found out. I'm Ifrit. I can't believe it. It was me. Um, and But Sid, he says something along the lines of... Um, oh, you're talking about when he's in the prison cell after yes. the scene. Yeah, he's yeah. like, if you want to fight, I can take. I think I could take you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, let's not go there if we don't have to. Yeah, let's like because then the whole next mission, which we'll get into next time, is him trying to convince him there's still a reason to go after this yes. dominant. There's still more answers. Even like, though you were Ifrit, you didn't have control. That dude did it to you, basically. Yeah, like, like there's there's still a mystery here. Yeah. It, it's not time to give up just yet. Don't let him um, get away with it. Right. But I also liked his his last line to Benedicta, who's lying there dead on the. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, because like, he finds that pennant. Mm -hmm. Which uh, I, he he kind of places on her corpse. Yeah. It's like, why did you have to listen to him? I'm guessing he means the king of Waled. Yeah. Like Benna, this can't be what you wanted, can it? You know, just the regret of not having been able to bring her back to yeah. convince her, right? Um, really good. And then he just walks off and kind of leaves her there in the smoldering ashes of their battle. And uh, that's where we're going to leave off for today. 
Okay, great. Um, I, I'm thinking that like the goals moving forward should more or less be to um, to get to the next sort of big icon battle. So whatever that is next, I don't know whether it's Titan well, or I do. It's, it's Odin be. versus Bahamut, and it's the very next oh, scene. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> just uh, kidding. <laughs> that's just an FMV, like a, yes, a cutscene. I, I mean, like. Uh, <laughs> Clive's next battle against the yeah. next major dominant. Because they're introducing and, new characters yeah. now. It's like, okay, here, who's the next dominant that we're yeah. going to chase I, I'm thinking it's probably, my guess is it's going to be Titan next, but I guess it Ooh. could be. Nah, they won't They won't do Bahamut or Odin until later. It's going to be Titan next, I okay. would think. Just based on my knowledge of Final Fantasy. like Titan is a lower level summon than Odin and, yeah. <laughs> and Bahamut. Those come later, so... Uh, I'm guessing Titan will probably be the next one, but so that's that's kind of where I'm going to try to get up to for next time. So okay, that's it. That's that should be the goal. Um, <clears throat> all right, we we have uh, Dude McGuy who has been um, he has volunteered to kind of go through comments for us on the mm. podcast moving forward and sort of pick out good ones for us. We don't have time right now to go through those, so okay. I'll kind of make that a priority for the next. Okay. Uh, podcast to, to lead off with that to lead off with I want to get a little bit more into interacting with the comments and things like that on every episode rather than sort of waiting more towards the end, towards the of, very end. of the series that makes sense. so um, feel free to leave comments he'll go through those and, and pick out some good ones for us to respond to um, I'm sure there's a lot of things we missed I'm sure there's a lot of things that uh, we might have gotten wrong so uh, feel free to correct us and uh, we'll do, you know address that next time all right. Okay. See you guys next time. Peace out.